want you to notice, if you would, the two banners on either side. And that is our theme for this year. Loving Him more in 2024. Just try to get some sort of a catchy phrase that you and I can roll over in our mind for the next 359 days. Now, can anybody tell me tonight what is the oldest and greatest command of Scripture? Oldest command. One of the oldest commands and the greatest command. Can you tell me what book it's written in? Anybody know? It's written really four times, I think, plus in the Old Testament. Anybody know what the greatest command is? For instance, if we could do anything in our church, if we could give $10 million a week, we'd be known all over the world as the giving church. But that's not what the Lord said I want you to do. If we, if we, uh, if, I would like that. No, don't, don't make him wrong. I mean, that would be okay with me. But that's not what the Lord's called us to do, okay? Uh, the Lord said, look, I would like for you to build a beautiful church. But that's not what he's called us to do. This place is a tool to help people hear the gospel. That's it. Now, it's the Lord's tool, so we should take care of it. But there's a command that the Lord said. I saw your hand, Morgan. What is it? Very good. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. I'm not going to ask him where he got it. I'm going to trust him. He just knew where it was. If you have your Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you would. This is the Old Testament. This is the Old Testament. And I want you to see the responsibility of every Jewish father. The responsibility of every Jewish father. Look, if you would, in verse number four. Now listen, uh, the Lord hasn't changed his mind. So I'm going to show you that. And I want you to see why our theme this year is of the utmost importance. Notice, if you would, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Uh, Israel, you only serve one God. Now, does anybody know why that was important in that day? Because they served a lot of gods. They were out there. There was the sun god, the moon god. There was, uh, uh, there was all kinds of different gods. And he said, look, there's only one God, and it's me. I put the sun and the moon and the stars in their place. I created it for you because I love you. And notice, if you would, in verse 5. And thou shalt the Lord love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Now, I want to pause right there. There's a couple things in there you got to, you, whenever you're reading a scripture, you always look for words that give you clues. And notice the one, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. So I didn't realize it, but in the scripture it says, you can't love the Lord unless you know him as Savior. Um, he looked at if you, uh, if you would, take your Bible now 
and, and turn over if you would. And, and I want you to see uh, John chapter 5 and verse 42. Now, we're going to use our Bibles tonight a little bit because I want you to see the importance of this challenge of God. Love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, mind, body, and soul. Look at what John chapter 5 and verse number 42. I'm going to go quickly here so we can get a lot done. But I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. Who is that? The Pharisees. He said, I know you. You don't have the love of God in you. So no person that is unsaved no matter how good a person they are, can love God like he wants. Now I want to pause for a minute. Thy God. I want to take just a second. Uh, look in John, just flip a chapter over, John chapter 6 and verse number 47. And I want you to listen to this verse. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Now, I'm going to pause for a minute and just explain to you the word believe, okay? Believe is putting your trust in. Now, watch. I believe this chair would hold me up. But unless I sit in it, I haven't put my trust in it. I believe it. Oh, that's a good, strong chair. I believe it will hold me up. But until I do this, I haven't fully believed. So you and I cannot say we fully believe in the Lord unless we accept Him as our Savior, unless we're born into His family. And so the Pharisees said, oh, we're, we're, we love God. I mean, we, we give tithes and offerings. We do this and we do that. Uh, we love God. We go to church uh, uh, every, every uh, Sabbath day. We love God. And he says, no, the love of God is not in you because you haven't done the first thing yet. Put your faith and trust in me. And so tonight, the first step to loving the Lord with all of your heart is if you give him your sin and trust him with your soul to take you to heaven. That's the first step. Now, I want to take just a minute. If you know the date, now, now listen very carefully. It's not necessary to know the date that you were saved. I had to go back through a calendar. Uh, you know, you can do that uh, 20, 30 years back or 40 or 50 or 60 or 100. Uh, you can go back and, and I knew it was a Sunday and I knew it was a third Sunday in June, but I didn't know the date. So I had to go back through my calendar and find what that date was. And then I realized the day I got saved 56 years ago. Now, listen very carefully. You don't get saved by coming through those doors. Jesus said you must be born again. Born first time, physical birth, April 7th, 1953, 1973. Now, I've got you thrown off a little bit. Okay. Um, but then you have a second birth, and he said you must be born again. Born the first time, physical birth. The second time, spiritual birth. How many have ever heard the term you must be born again? Okay. Let me ask this question. Who coined it? Who coined it? Uh, Tommy. Here's one of my young men. Tommy. Who coined it? Jesus did. You're exactly right. Jesus coined 
the phrase and said to the woman at the well, I mean, and said to uh, Nicodemus, uh, came to him by night, said, you must be born again. Now, if you have not been born into God's family, you could be a great person, but you can't go to heaven. You see, we've all got sins, and it's got to be paid for. We can't get to heaven. And there's nothing we can do, not by righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us, Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. So you, nobody gets saved by coming to church, by giving money, by getting baptized. Uh, nobody gets saved. But matter of fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that Jesus, Paul said Jesus didn't send me to baptize. He sent me to preach the gospel. So baptism is totally separate from the gospel. The gospel is the good news on how you get saved. So tonight, the first step to loving him more in 24 is that you trust him as your Savior. Now, the reason I'm going to take just a minute here, and I'm going to go on to point out about salvation, because I sat right where you sit, and I wasn't saved. I was a good person. I didn't curse, didn't lie, didn't cheat. Well, I didn't try to lie or cheat. Um, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. Never smoked a cigarette. Never drank. Never took drugs. Um, uh, never uh, messed around with women. I tried to be as clean as I could be for the Lord's sake, but I was lost. Good person, but lost. So I would have occupied a place in hell just right beside Judas. We're both sinners. And then one day in a service, the Holy Spirit, I'm sitting there. It's the end of the service. The Holy Spirit touched my heart and says, Dave Pittman, you need to get this settled. You're not, you're not saved today. But Lord, everybody in this church knows me by my first name. I, I can't do that. They would think I've been a hypocrite. Well, you are, Dave Pittman. Not that you're trying to be, but you need to trust me as Savior. You're not trying to be a hypocrite, but you are. You come to church, and you pray to me, and you talk to me, and you tithe when you get some money, but you need to be born again. And the hardest decision I ever made in my life was sitting in church and to step out and come and trust Christ because I thought people would laugh at me. Because I figured everybody would mumble at me. They would talk behind my back. And you know who that was telling me that? The devil himself. And the first step that I came out, there was a peace flooded my soul. And I went to a little back room, got on my knees and prayed and trusted Christ as Savior. I told him this. I said, Lord, I'm a sinner. You know it. And I'm sorry. I need you to forgive me this day and forevermore. I want to be born again. And that morning, June 18th, 56 years ago, I got saved. And it changed everything for me. My father was a very successful businessman, a plumber. He owned multiple companies. And, and uh, um, my, my father, that would have been my company. But I got to thinking about um, what would I do with money if there were people around the world that never heard that Jesus loved them, and they must be born again. And it was hard for me to justify that. 
So I said, Lord, I'd like to be a preacher for you if you want me. And I preached my first sermon at 16. I was called to preach a little later. And, and so for all these years, it's been like, Lord, I just want to please you. But you know what? There are times when I fail at that. But everybody fails at that if you've not been born again. So tonight, check your heart. Let's very carefully. It's just us. This is a very home crowd. You're faithful people. If someone here, you say, you know, I'm not sure. He that believeth, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Everlasting life's forever. Hath it, it's permanent. And yet, you can only get it by being born into God's family. You know that. But there are people in churches that get saved as a member. I would grieve in my heart until the Holy Spirit took the grief out of my heart in heaven if there was somebody here tonight that wasn't saved and you missed heaven. So I'm just pleading with you to check your heart tonight and make sure you're born into God's family. If you're not, come tonight. Let me help you. I would joy, probably not be able to sleep all night if you trusted Christ as Savior tonight. Anybody in this room, that would be one of the thrills of my heart because I love the people in this room. I can I know all of you by name pretty well. Uh, there may be somebody I don't know. I don't know who that might be. I'm looking around. I see pretty well everybody's name. Uh, uh, so as a pastor, it would kill me in my heart if you didn't step foot in heaven because you're afraid. I'm urging you to trust Christ tonight. Now, having said that, let's put it aside. You can't love the Lord unless you trust Him as Savior. Okay? Uh, uh, number two, very simply, what is the greatest command? Take your Bible and turn to Matthew, if you would, chapter 22. We saw in Deuteronomy, He said, Love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, mind, body, and soul. Now, I don't know how much more He could say, uh, Jesus has to be first. You've got to love Him with everything. Now, now let, let me ask you this question. Um, very carefully. You got your passage, Matthew 22? Look here. If I told my wife, I love you with all my heart, mind, body, and soul, is she first, the first woman on earth to me? Okay. Yes. Okay. What, what do you say, Benita? If Brandon told you that, what position would you want to be in? First. How many of you wives would like for your husband to tell you that, and you're second behind hunting or the neighbor down the street? Or, or uh, Look, when you say, I love you with all my heart, mind, body, and soul, that means you're everything to me. It just is. And Jesus said, I want, in the Old Testament, the Lord said, I want you to love me with all your heart all your mind, all your body, and all your soul, everything. And he said, I want you to teach that to your children. I want you to teach them that I'm worthy to be loved by them. And that's the way it's going to be perpetuated throughout the earth. The only problem was those men, fathers, got busy 
farming, making money, building barns, they were too busy to tell their children that I love the Lord with all my heart, mind, body, and soul, and I want you to also, and let's talk about it. He said, you'll talk about it in the, when you're walking in the way. You'll talk about it at night when you lay them down in their beds and you say, Jesus is everything in the world to me, son. I want him to be that way to you. You try to transfer your love to your family, to your wife and to your children, all the men in this room. That's what he says. I want you to do that. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now then, a lawyer comes and asks Jesus, says, hey, uh, uh, what's the greatest command? And you'll notice, if you would, in verse number uh, Matthew 22, look at verse number 36. Master, which is the great command in the law? What's the greatest command in Scripture? And Jesus answered from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. So this year, if that's the first commandment and the most important commandment, what would you say all of us in this room ought to work on this year more than anything else? It's loving the Lord with all of our heart. And that's our theme this year. It could be our theme every year, but this year we're gonna, we, we've chosen this as a theme so that uh, when I get up in the morning, Lord, I want to love you with all my heart today. Now, I, I want you to be careful because I've had a lot of people say, Oh, we love the Lord. I love the Lord. But they don't do what the Lord asked them to do. Now, you'll notice here that in this passage, uh, in verse number 39, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So now, who's your neighbor? Did you know another lawyer? Take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 10. And another lawyer looked at him and said, okay, look, if you would, in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 27. And he answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And so this lawyer, being a parser of words, looked at him and said, Verse 29, and he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so Jesus said, okay, let me explain it. Let me illustrate it to you. He said there was a, a priest and he went down and he saw over in the ditch a man beaten up and mugged and robbed and naked and he's bleeding. And the priest looked at him and said, mm, he's in bad trouble. And he kept right on walking. I'm busy. I got to go do something. And then the Levite walks right behind him and sees the same guy. And he says, oh, my goodness. And he walks right on. And then a Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan is a nobody. And that's the reason he used the term Samaritan, because it would be anybody in this room. He looked over and he sees me. He said, wow, that guy's in trouble. I need to go help him. And he gets down and he puts him on his own donkey and he lets him ride while he walks. He takes him to a hotel, pays his night's uh, uh, bill, and he says, let's clean him up. And he gets him all cleaned up and he pours oil in his wounds and he tries to do his best to medicinally take care of him. And he looks at the innkeeper and he says, I got to go in the morning, but I'll be back. And when I do, I'll pay whatever you lose. Just take care of him. And so look here. In Luke chapter 10, in verse number 36, which now of these three, 
the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Well, then this smart lawyer looks at him and said, he that showed mercy on him. Now, I want you to see one more verse. Take your Bible and turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And notice, if you would, verse 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Now, how many of you tonight would like to be considered a disciple of Christ? Me. Okay. He said, I'm going to give you the signpost that you're a disciple of Christ. You don't have to wear any particular thing on your head. You don't have to wear something around your neck. You don't have to wear a collar, backwards collar around your, your neck. He said, if you want to be a good neighbor, notice if you would, this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one another. So he defined what it meant to love the Lord thy God with all your heart. You put him first. You try to please him. And then he said, you'll know my disciples by their love one for another. So he doesn't want us to be known as the church on 28, facing 28. He wants us to be known as the church that loves people. He doesn't want us to be known as the, uh, the church with a really nice ball field or a nice gym or a nice auditorium. or, or, or he, he doesn't want us to be known for any of those things. He wants us to be known by, but we love you. We love people. And folks, when somebody comes into our church and they're visiting, I can't greet them all. Y'all do a great job of going up and say, hi, my name is so-and-so. We're glad to have you tonight. But without that neighborly, friendly touch, they'll never listen to salvation. Because if it hasn't changed your heart, it won't help me. So that's the reason Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love me with all your heart, and the second is to love your neighbor with all your heart. Now, there's one more thing that, and it's the most challenging one. To me, it's easier to love your neighbor than it is to do this third thing. Uh, I, I want to love the Lord, but, but uh, somebody tell me today, if I said to you, love your wife with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, tell me some of the things that that would mean. Scott, tell her. tell her, okay? But if I said, uh, I love you with all my heart, mind, body, and soul, that's, a, that's one of the first things. So we ought to tell the Lord that. How many of us tell the Lord, oh, I love you, Lord? But then, what else would you do to make sure she knew it? Pardon me? Provide for her. Give her what you have. That's reading in the wedding vows. It says, she gets all you got. And that happens. Okay? Uh, provide for her. Something else. Tell her you love her. Provide for her. Something else. Pardon me? Give her your time. Give her your time. Love. Uh, do you know this? How many of you have got uh, more than... $100 in the bank. Raise your hand. $100 in the bank, okay? How many of you got more than $100 in your pocket? Raise your hand, okay? 
How many of you got, uh, uh, you got a 403B or a 401K? How many, how many got one of those? Okay. Um, uh, that's different all over the place. How many of you got 168 hours in a week? That's everybody. So if you gave your wife money and you had a lot of it, it wouldn't mean that much necessarily. But if you give her something you've only got a limited amount of, 168 hours in a week, and you spent time out of that with her, now you're proving that she's important to you. So you know what? You can't get too busy. Now, all I'm trying to do, one other thing, one other thing that if you love your wife, something else. Someone else? That's a good one. Serve her. Oh, it doesn't mean you get a, oh, yes, honey, what can I do to help you? It doesn't mean that. It means you're just good to her. Honey, can I get you something? It's not always her that gets up from the table and goes and gets a salt and pepper or her that goes and gets the kid's stuff. Hey, just be seated. Let me go get it for you. Um, hey, honey, you know, I want you to go get a new coat. Matter of fact, let's go. I want to take you. Let's go get a new coat. And so you take her to get a new coat. Hey, honey, I want to get you a new car. Uh, you'll need to pay for it, but I want to go get you a new car. No, no. Your, your idea is I want to go do something for you. I want to do, but we're going to do it together, okay? But I'm, I'm willing to do what I can because I love you. Now, now, let me ask you this question. How is it any different with Jesus? I love you, Lord. But where do we meet the Lord? Where, where does he tell us to meet him? In this house. Assembly, assemble yourselves together. He's, that's what he says. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I love him. I cannot tell you the number of people I say, well, I love the Lord, but, but I, 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 I stay at home. I don't go to church. They're a bunch of hypocrites, but I love the Lord. If you have your Bible, turn with this third one. First John chapter 5. And notice this. And folks, tonight, I could tell you what you want to hear. Or I can tell you what the Lord said. Because one of these days, every one of us is going to stand before the Lord. And I want everybody in this room, as your pastor, to hear two words. I'm going to get to that in a minute. First John chapter 5. Verse number three, and this is the love of God. So now pause. When you say, Lord, I love you, this is what he expects. Now let me finish reading it. That we keep his commandments. Okay? We go to church. We, uh, we always go to church because that's what he asks us to do. Now, folks, look, I'm not the judge here. He is. But when you say, I love the Lord with all my heart, could I even date somebody else just one time if I told my wife I love her with all my heart? But I see a lot of ladies going, no, 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 no. You know why? Because I don't love her with all my heart. 
I can't even see another woman. I shouldn't even have a book of other women because she is first. So you and I, oh, I love you with all my heart, Lord, but I'm too busy to go to church today. And this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. You know what he's saying? That we obey him and we like it. I read my Bible and I like it. I take some time and I pray and I spend time with the Lord and I like it. And I forgive Brother Downs when he does something to me and I like it. And somebody cheats me and I forgive them anyway because I like pleasing him. You know what kind of Christians that makes? It makes people that can forgive anything and be good to people that are not good to them. And the Lord says, I like that. He loves me. So Stephen, he's a deacon, and he preaches to some Pharisees, and they pick up rocks, and they stone him to death. And he's on his knees, and he says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Lord, forgive them. He didn't throw one rock back. Now, if I'm there and they start throwing rocks at me, I, I might consider I'd like to bean that one guy right over there. Just do that rock. In Christian love, of course. No. We have to forgive people. We have to learn this year to forgive everybody. We have to learn this year to love people that don't love us. That's hard. When you walk up to somebody and say, hey, good morning, they say, yeah. We're supposed to love that guy because you don't know what he's going through. Maybe he just lost his job. Maybe he just found out he had cancer. You'll know my disciples by their love one for another. I, I, I'm telling you, folks, being a Christian is the greatest privilege in all the world. Because you know what he says? He says, if you obey my commands and you enjoy serving me, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be good to you because I'm proud of you. But when you step foot inside heaven at the judgment seat of Christ, if you'll recall, there's a passage that we're going to stand before the Lord and, and uh, he's going to say a couple of words to those people that are faithful. They faithfully obey his commands. They faithfully do what they know he wants them to do in their heart. Um, uh, if you've got, how many of you got a brother in this room? You've you, you got a brother or sister in this room, okay? You've got a brother or sister. Um, and, and maybe, how many is your, times has your brother or sister ever done something to you? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, that's all the hands. Okay. You know what you're supposed to do? It's all right. I'll forgive it. Because you're his. And when he says, if you love me, keep my commands. You forgive everybody. For everything. It doesn't mean you don't protect yourself. 
It just means somebody can't do something to keep you from caring about them. There are not many people like that in this world. And that's the reason the world does not know universally who Jesus is. Because you'll know my disciples by their love for people. You know, tonight I am reminded that forgiveness is difficult. That blessing those that curse you is difficult. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew, if you would, very quickly. Matthew chapter 5, if you would. Matthew chapter 5. Notice what he says. Verse number 39. I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek. Ooh. Now, you only got two cheeks. I'm going to leave it up to you what you do after that. But you still have to do what's right. And notice what he says. And whosoever shall come. Verse 40. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Say, look, you don't have to sue me here. Money doesn't mean anything to me. I just want you to know I didn't do you wrong. I care about you. What? What? Where are those kind of Christians? Notice what he says. Verse number 41, Whosoever shall compel thee, they'll make you go a mile, go with him twain. Now, you know the story. In the Jewish day, every Jewish man, the Roman soldier, had the right when he's moving and he's got his satchel with him, he could look at every, any Jewish boy and say, you carry it for me. He had to carry it for him one mile. So the Jewish boys would start counting one, two, three. They got to 1,760 steps. They dropped that bag and said, I'm done. And they weren't happy about it, and that Roman soldier knew it. He said, look, what I want you to do is I want you to take that 1,760 steps and look at him and say, where else you got to go? Oh, I got to go another eight-tenths of a mile. Let me take it for you. When he made you do it, you do it with joy. Wow. That's some kind of a Christian. Uh, it gets worse. Look here. Uh, if you would, in verse number 43, ye have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Now, that's pretty common knowledge. You love those that love you. If those mistreat you, you, you protect yourself. You give back to them. If they give it to you, you give it back to them. Verse 44, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You know what he's asking us to do? Be a light in a dark place. I know this works. We were trying to buy this piece of property. We closed Drainsville. I mean, we, we closed, um, let's see here. We, we sold Ashburn and put the money in the bank. And this company, Concora, their owners, they're in, 
another state. They were upset that we didn't close. Our contract said close at the end of February, but we couldn't because we didn't have, they didn't have title to the land. So they couldn't sell it to us. And we were trying to get the title. That was a part of our contract to get the title so that we could close on it. And I called and said, we need an extension for 60 days. And he said, we need to talk. So our two attorneys got on the phone with our realtor, with them, and I got the cussing of my life. He said, I got a data center that wants that property, and I'm going to charge you $200,000 for that. It'll cost you $200,000 for that 60 days. And you haven't done enough work, and if you'd have worked harder, and uh, Hobie Mitchell's here tonight. Have you, how many times have you heard somebody get approval on a change of, of, of uh, they got the, uh, uh, the uh, what was it called? Uh, they, they got their property rezoned in 11 months and 59 days, start to finish. That's amazing. But it wasn't good enough. And in my mind, my heart, I'm getting cussed at, and he's demanding 200000 and we've already sold our land. We got no place to go. And I remember, you know, love your enemies. And I called his name and I said, I'm really sorry. Got quiet. And I said, I probably should have told you the things that I've done. And I said, I, I, I went to the county attorney and I, I've done this and I met with all the, the supervisors and I, I, I've done this and I've done that. And, and we, we've spent $1.3 and we've done everything in our powers to get there. But I'm sorry I didn't tell you. Will you forgive me? It went totally silent on the phone. No more cursing. Well, I didn't know that. He didn't charge us 200000 He gave us 60 days, and we bought this land. But we were that close. You know why? Because I didn't like getting cussed out. I wasn't going to cuss him back. I never thought of that. I just want you to know. But I thought about giving a few choice words because you didn't help us any. And so on and so forth. But this verse, love your enemies, and at that moment in time, it's an adversarial circumstance, and you always win more with honey than you do with salt. And that's what the Lord is saying. You'll learn to love people. Now, I'm praying that guy trusts Christ as Savior because you know what? I'd rather not even have this church here and have him trust Christ as Savior. Which is more important? So I learned a real lesson. And the lawyer afterwards said, I don't know how you did that. Wow. Now, I'm going to tell you that because in here, it wasn't the same thing as in here. It was a struggle. Pittman, 
love him. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? When I didn't do it. What I'm trying to say to you is, I look back on that conversation and I learned a great lesson. I too have to love people that don't love me. And so do you. In the process of serving my God, I get put in circumstances, whether it's out on a visit, whether it's with an attorney, whether it's whatever, that that's one of the reasons I'm going to be so excited when this September comes and that building is finished and those balls fields are done. I'm going to be out there having a party on that field. Just all this is done. And maybe people won't be upset with me. Maybe they won't uh, try to cheat us. And, and, and so I can say, Lord, it'll be easier to love my neighbor because uh, they're trying to at least be nice. But love your enemies, folks. If you love the Lord with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, you have to forgive people. You have to love people that don't deserve it. You have to be good to people that don't deserve it. And you have to like it. That was the part I struggle with. Lord, do I really have to enjoy this treatment? Uh, Lord, uh, Dave Pittman, you represent me. I'm sorry, Lord. And we learn to love him more in 24. All of us. Look, I am learning this just like you are. Nobody ever gets there till you step foot inside heaven. But I'm going to tell you this. The one thing I want to hear, I want to hear the Dill Boys. I want to hear Javier. I want to hear Josiah. I want to hear Holden. I want to hear Don. I, I, I want to hear Sam. I got both of them in the back with that one statement. I want to hear Sam and Sam stand before the Lord and him say, I'm proud of you. Well done. But you've got to make it a point this year. You're going to love him with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul if you want to please him. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. I'm going to ask the penis to come and just play a verse of invitation hymn. Remember, you may say you love the Lord, but you can't love him if you haven't trusted him as your Savior. But you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I, I need to trust the Lord as my Savior. I need to get it settled. I want to encourage you to come. I'll help you with it. I'm no better than anybody in this room, but I help you trust the Lord. Maybe you're here tonight and, and you'd say, Pastor, I, I struggle to love people that are mean to me. And the Lord will give you strength. The Lord will help you. Just tell him you want to love him more. And folks, that's a challenge this year. Love him more. Could I encourage you to promise the Lord you'll do that? You've got 168 hours. Use some of them every day to pour your love upon him. Tell him that you love him. Obey him. Show him that you love him. Lord Jesus, speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.